It is official. Carlos Correa, officially a Minnesota twin. Takeaways from the press conference. What it means for now, for the rest of the offseason. It's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Twins. You are Locked on Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Wednesday, January 11th, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thanks for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every single day on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Again, this is Nash Walker, four seasons, writing about the Twins at TwinsDaily.com, three seasons, hosting a daily podcast on the Minnesota Twins, four off-seasons at both. Carlos Correa, officially a Minnesota Twin, signed his contract today at Target Field, cannot believe this. I mean, can you believe it's official? Carlos Correa, Minnesota Twin, for at least the next six years. What does it mean for the rest of the offseason now? I think the feeling last year when the Twins signed Correa, the immediate reaction to that, whether it was you know people commenting on my videos or my tweets or anybody in Twins territory, it's always what's next. What's next? You got Correa. We know that this team last year won 78 games. Are they going to keep pushing in chips? And last year, the one guy we kept looking at was Frankie Montas in Oakland and thinking, how are they going to get Montas? What does that deal look like? They need to add him to the front of this rotation. I think there's a similar feeling this year. But the difference this year is there's not a clear starting pitcher, frontline starting pitcher who everybody's monitoring. There is, but it's not somebody I think that excites a fan base like Frankie Montas did at that time because Frankie Montas, the the narrative around him was get him out of Oakland, first of all, save him from Oakland, although that park certainly benefits pitchers, work on his pitch mix. He throws in the upper 90s, disgusting splitter, upside, real upside with two years of team control. There was that feeling on Frankie Montas last year. This year, the guy we're monitoring, and I'm monitoring because a big part of that is He's the only only guy I think is actually available. I know to be available, and that's Pablo Lopez in Miami. We've mentioned Pablo's name a lot, not only this year, but last year as well. I think Pablo would help the staff, and I think the direction we're heading in this offseason is in that way. I think they're going to continue to try on Pablo Lopez. We know they've been in contact with the Marlins on Lopez, and what Lopez would do is add depth to this rotation. He would raise the floor of the rotation. When you look at this group right now, Kenta Maeda and Bailey Ober, I don't know if you can rely on those two to start every fifth day all season long. I don't think that that is a viable plan. Kenta Maeda has not thrown in a year and a half. Bailey Ober didn't really pitch at all last year. He started the season, finished the season, but didn't log very many innings. He didn't log very many innings in 2021. So I think for those two specifically, you have to wonder what's the best plan for Bailey Ober and Kent Maeda. Is it to have them as your four and five in the rotation for a majority of the year? Or is it them piggybacking together? Meaning you have a six-man rotation out of spring training, which is going to help everybody. If you have enough good pitchers, 
I'm always in favor of a six-man rotation, especially coming out of spring training. If you have enough guys, and the Twins did that out of, out of spring training in 2021 when everybody was healthy. They had Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, Chris Paddock, Bailey Ober. They had Chris Archer, Dylan Bundy. That was their six-man rotation. If you can do it, I'm I'm an advocate for it. If you have enough good pitchers early, because in theory, it should help you stay healthier. It should help these guys remain more effective deeper into the season, less innings on their arm as you get into August, September, hopefully October for the Twins. There's less innings on their arms. And for Kenta Maeda and Bailey Ober, I have trouble sitting here thinking and saying Bailey Ober and Kenta Maeda are going to log 150 innings each for the Twins in a five-man rotation. I don't think it's viable. What is viable is you plan for 100 to 120 innings, hopefully. I mean, in Kenta's case, I think less certainty than for Ober because Kenta legitimately is coming off Tommy John surgery, has not pitched in a year and a half. But for both of them, I think the best plan is you you add somebody like Pablo Lopez, and it all depends on what you're sending back, right? I've I've publicly said I would not trade Luis Arise for Pablo Lopez. I would not do that deal straight up today. If you add Lopez, not knowing what's going back, you can have this six-man group coming out of spring training where you have Sonny, Sonny Gray, Tyler Malley, Joe Ryan, Pablo Lopez, Bailey Ober, Kenta Maeda. And on every fifth day, Bailey Ober can start or Kenta Maeda can start depending on the matchup because we know Kenta is dominant against righties. Bailey Ober, reverse splits. Depending on the matchup, one of them starts and pitches three innings. Then the next guy comes in and pitches three innings. And then you go to the bullpen or you go three innings, four innings, depending on how they're performing. That's what you do every fifth day. It's going to do a, it's going to do a bunch of things. It's going to take the pressure off of Ober and Maeda and their arms going into the season for maybe a month. I mean, I'm not saying you do this for months, but out of spring training, it's going to hopefully help Tyler Malley and his shoulder. It's going to hopefully help Sonny Gray, who didn't log as many innings as we'd hope last year either. Hopefully help Joe Ryan stay healthy. Well, he was healthy last year. I think you can just rely on Joe Ryan, which is great. I think you can rely on him more than anybody in this rotation for 150 innings. It's going to help everybody. If you have enough good starters, I'm all for it. I'm all for a six-man rotation with a piggyback. That's absolutely, I'm in for that. They're going to start together, and you would hope that they take up more innings, that they take up more innings together, so that either looks like they're they're piggybacking or you go straight six man and the straight six man would benefit the rest of the rotation straight piggybacking. Everybody would be on normal rest every fifth day. I'm, I'm an advocate for that. And I'm an advocate for Pablo Lopez. What else is coming for the twins this offseason? What do I want to see them do with the rest of their winter to reasonably go into 2023 saying this team looks like a playoff contender. What does that look like? For the rest of the winter after this word from betonline.net betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to get all your sports betting needs info stats news analysis you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college to basketball everything they've got it all at betonline.net if you love sports podcasts, you've already listened to Lockdown MLB. You've already listened to Lockdown Twins. You've already listened to Lockdown MLB Prospects. You can find more podcasts at Bet Online as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. Again, so easy to use. Whether you want to use your phone, desktop, 
iPad, whatever you're looking for, BetOnline has you covered with a sleek, easy-to-use design. BetOnline.net, it is where the game starts. Thanks again for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every single day. Now listen to Lockdown MLB Prospects after this show. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. What does a winning rest of the offseason look like for the Twins? Because this is a team that won 78 games last year with Carlos Correa. So what does this look like for the rest of the winter? To put a team on the field that can reasonably compete for the American League Central that you can look at and say, if this happens, they can win the Central. I think today, as it stands today, this team is a fringe playoff contender, meaning you're looking at 83 to 85 wins. As I said last night, it's a fringe playoff contender could swing either way. And that's sort of how I felt about last year's team too. I said, it could be a lot of different directions and go a lot of different ways. This is slightly different because there is more pitching depth. Correa adds some of that upside. I don't think this team is going to win 70 games. I don't think they're going to lose 92 games next year or this summer. I I'm not sure they're going to win 90 though, either. I think they're going to end up as currently constructed probably in that 80 to 88 win range somewhere in there. And the difference is huge. You know, 85 can get you in 84. You're out. So that's where I think they are right now. They're a a fringe playoff contender where if things went well, they make the playoffs. If things go well, they're competing for the American league central, but if things don't go well, they're not right. They need things to go in their way with this current roster. Health is most of that, but also development and guys taking step forward, steps forward, relying on, players who have not been reliable health or performance or otherwise, what needs to happen for the rest of this offseason? What needs to happen for us to go into 2023 for me to sit here and say, this is a legitimate playoff team that should be favored or co-favorites to win the American League Central. The feeling continues to be frontline starter, frontline starter, frontline starter. It was one of my top five needs One of my needs was catcher. I I wasn't worried as much about catcher coming into this offseason, to be honest with you. They filled it with probably the second best catcher on the market. I thought Omar Narvaez made a bunch of sense for this team. Christian Vasquez, however you viewed it, is one of the top five free agent catchers on the market, and they acquired him. My number one need, shortstop, they acquired Carlos Correa. My number two need was a big right-handed bat. Correa is that, but that was my number two need. My number three need was a frontline starter. If you look at this team, they have pitching depth. They have pitching depth, but this rotation is not going to scare anybody. Nobody's going to look at this Twins rotation and say, oh, I'm fearful of them in a five-game series. Over a full season, their depth should help. It should be an asset for them over a full season, hoping everybody stays healthy or at least a chunk of them stay healthy. So they don't need to go, and that was my point all offseason, they don't need to go add depth starters. They don't need to go add a Michael Walker. They don't need to go add XYZ. They need an impact pitcher. Pablo Lopez is an impact pitcher. Absolutely, he's an impact pitcher. He's like a number two. And if you added Pablo Lopez to this team, he would be in the Sonny Gray tier. And that's, you know, Sonny Gray or better is what we're looking for this offseason. Only problem is that's via trade. So you're likely subtracting from the major league roster. And if not, you're subtracting from the top of your farm system because Pablo Lopez is one of the only starters known to be available. We keep thinking of frontline starter, and that's natural to think that way. But I would not rule out rule out them adding wins elsewhere because that's what they're known to do. They're, they're less likely 
to trade for a frontline starter than they are to acquire a bat. That's just this front office. And they have traded for starters. You know, they traded for Sonny Gray and Tyler Malley in the last 12 months, Chris Paddock as well. I'm not saying it's out of the out of the realm of possibility, but the way that this market has shaped up, the way that we know this front office operates at times, which is creatively, they often do things we don't see coming. We don't consider. I don't even consider on a daily show. They do things like that all the time. Wins are wins. And I say it, I say it all the time. Baseball is a simple equation. Baseball is runs scored minus runs allowed. That's all it is at the end of the day. You score more runs than your opponent. It's simple. It's not an easy game. It's a simple game. Runs scored minus runs allowed. And you add those wins in any way you can. And at this point in the offseason, if the Twins, if there's not a lot of avenues to acquire frontline starting pitching, which I don't think there are. There's none on the free agent market. Pablo Lopez is a fringe frontline starter. You know, he's a number two starter. He's not like a front front line rotation starter. There, there's not a lot of opportunities to go add that dude in trade or in free agency. That's why I think maybe start thinking about other ways that they're going to do this. There's, I came into the offseason saying there's only a couple spots here, and this was before Correa. There's only a couple spots here that are locked in. You know, Buxton's locked into center. They're unlikely to trade for some stars. You know, Mike Trout. That's Those things are not going to happen for a bajillion different reasons on Trout specifically. But my point is, it's not going to happen in center field, most likely. It's likely not to happen at one of the at shortstop. Now, with Carlos Correa until they're not going to trade for some star level shortstop. And we knew there aren't a lot of those guys out there because I was talking like, what are they going to do now that they missed out on Correa? How are they going to get a shortstop? There's not a lot out there. You know, Haseon Kim in San Diego was an option. But other than him, like, I don't think anybody's available. Miguel Rojas traded to the Dodgers today. He was like a low end trade target the Twins could have added if they hadn't signed Correa. So shortstop in center field and catcher. Those are really the three spots right up the middle. It's a good place to be solid or to have bodies in Buxton, Correa, Vasquez, and Jeffers. They're solid up the middle in that way. I could see them add legitimately anywhere else. I could see them add a a random first baseman and everybody's wondering like, why? Why would they add a first baseman? I could see them adding a first baseman then trading out of first base, trading a Kirilov or an Arise or somebody from that glut, adding a third baseman. I don't think they're going to trade Jose Miranda, especially now that Correa is back. But you could add a third baseman, kick Miranda over to first, and trade from first. You could add a left fielder. You could add a right fielder. You can add a right fielder and trade Kepler and start Gallo and left. You can add a left fielder and start Gallo and right. There's a bunch of different things they can do on this roster to add wins. Nobody's locked into any spots. I hate to use the White Sox as an example all the time, but you look at their roster. I'm not saying this is a good or a bad thing, but for the Twins right now, I think it's a good thing. The White Sox extended all of these young players, right? They extended you Mancada, Aloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson, a lot of Luis Robert. They extended these players. Yasmani Grandal is on a four-year deal as well. Those spots are locked up, essentially, in the White Sox lineup. Those spots are locked because they're on long-term deals. You need those guys to perform. And if not, you need them to perform because you want to trade them. If it's not for you. For the Twins, like they're not that locked up in many spots. They can they can get creative, and Derek Favre used that word at Correa's press conference today. 
we can get creative, right? That wasn't verbatim, but they can get creative in a lot of different spots. You can add anywhere you want, save for straight up the middle. You could even, like I'm saying, you could add reasonably add a center fielder and start him in left field. You could add a center fielder and start him in right field and trade Kepler, which I, I still think they're going to do. There's a lot of different ways you can go. There's a lot of different ways you can go. It just, it doesn't have to be a frontline starter. Do I think that's the most likely? I do. I think Pablo Lopez, however likely you see any trade target, is probably at the top, you know, thinking of what's actually viable here. And we know the Twins have had conversations with the Marlins about Pablo Lopez. We don't know how deep that goes, how far that goes. I would put my money if they add and when, when they add another player from now until opening day or multiple players, I would put my money that a starter will be part of that. I would, but I wouldn't put a ton of money on it. I would put a reasonable amount on the field that something comes in, the Twins trade for somebody you just you, you didn't even see coming, that you didn't even think of who plays first base, who plays left field, who plays third base, and you're thinking, what? how does this player fit on the roster? And then the next day they flip and do something else because this is what they did out of the lockout. They got creative. They traded Donaldson or Shelov replaced him at third. They traded for Connor Falefa. Then they traded him away and Correa's playing short. They did a lot of different things. They shook this thing up. And this roster today, if you're watching on YouTube, this roster ain't going to be that roster on opening day. It's not going to be this. It's not going to be Gallo, Buxton, Kepler across the outfield, Miranda, Correa, Polanco, Arise, this same rotation, this same bullpen, this same bench. I don't even think it's going to be this going into spring training. I would be really surprised if this is the group they go to spring training with. They're going to trade Kepler. I'm almost certain of that. And when you do that, like I said, it opens up a lot of possibilities. Right now, the Twins at Fangraphs project for the second best wins above replacement at shortstop. They project for a top two bullpen in the American League. Only Cleveland projected for more wins above replacement. Some of that's volume related. The Twins bullpen will have more volume than the Astros, say, or the Yankees. But the Twins right now have areas to improve in the outfield, in left and right field. They can improve in both those areas. I think they're 20th in left field in all of baseball for projected wins above replacement. And they're not in a great spot in right field either. You can upgrade those spots. Trey Mancini remains a free agent. You can play him in left and start him at first base. You know, you can platoon at first base with Alex Kirloff and Trey Mancini or with Luis Arise and Trey Mancini. They have so many options here. And now that they sign Correa, they have even more options. They have more options with their prospects now. It's not just about shortstop. It's not as simple as they sign Correa, so that makes Royce Lewis and Brooksley expendable. It's they sign Correa and they have another fixture in their lineup. Because if you don't have Correa, you almost have to hold more of your lottery tickets and say, I hope he works out. I hope he works out. I hope he works out. We need to hit on one because we need to replace a key cog in our lineup. You got Correa back. It can make you more aggressive elsewhere because you have him in the middle of your lineup at shortstop at a premium position. You can behave differently now that you have him in tow in the lineup on the field you can behave differently as a group and i think they will i think from from this point forward i wouldn't be surprised by anything they do any addition or subtraction they make i think some of the rumblings we've heard kepler arise those rumblings maybe even nick gordon that left-handed group gallo gordon kepler kirilov larnick walner julian 
all left-handed arise. That's eight left-handed bats who are going to call for at bats this year. Eight left-handed bats. They're all gonna they're all gonna be good enough to play, I think, in 2023 or demand at bats at the major leagues. So there's no way the twins are going into opening day with all eight of those guys on the roster. That's Kepler, Arise, Gallo, Larnick, Kirilov, Gordon, Julian, Walner. Eight of those, I think at least two will be gone. I think at least two will be gone of those eight. I think one of them is almost assuredly going to be Kepler. I mean, three could be gone. Viably, three could be gone. I think one will be Kepler, and the other might surprise you. And we'll just have to wait and see exactly who that's going to end up being. You can't look at this roster and say to yourself, this is the group. I, I can't do it. I just don't. I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. Knowing this front office and then just logically, it doesn't make sense to have eight left-handed bats who are going to demand playing time in 2023. I think Julian's a guy who's going to play for the Twins in 2023. I think Walner is going to play for the Twins. And I realize not everybody stays healthy. We're talking about four or five guys among those eight who have had leg problems, wrist problems. You want to keep as much depth as possible. When they're all left-handed, though, that's not great roster utility. The Twins signed Carlos Correa today officially and DFA'd Kyle Garlic, which I thought was interesting. I think Garlic's going to clear, but if not, they're going to have to add a right-handed bat in free agency or via trade. So that move, DFA and Kyle Garlic, furthered me in thinking, okay, they're going to bring in another bat here. They're going to bring in a right-handed bat, whether it's Andrew McCutcheon, Trey Mancini, a trade target, Adam Duvall is a free agent. They're going to bring in a right-handed bat. And I think what was attractive to me about AJ Pollock, who signed with the Seattle Mariners one year, 7 million, he held his own against righties and in his career has held his own against righties. He's been a lefty killer his entire career. Clearly that's a need for the twins. They need an, a right-handed corner outfielder who can hit lefties, but also because of a 26 man roster constraint with 14 pitchers, most likely you need a right-handed bat in the outfield who you can start and feel comfortable starting against right-handed pitching. And I don't think they felt that way about Kyle Garlick anymore. I don't know if they feel that way. I think they like him. I think they like to start him against lefties, but he has such a limited skill set. And it's he's very good at it. He's very good. One of my professors once told me in journalism school, they always tell you throughout your whole life, be good at a lot of things, right? Be good at a lot of things. Be good at this. Learn how to do this. Learn how to do that. Learn how to do this. But be really good at one thing. And I think that was great advice. Kyle Garlick is really good at one thing, and that's mashing left-handed pitching, and he's cut out a career for himself doing that. And I think, you know, there's a chance he's not in the org. There's a chance that he is not on this team come tomorrow or the next day. You know, whether he's claimed or not, we'll see. But I think what it signals is their comfort level with starting him against right-handed pitching is down, and it's not as high as it once was maybe. Their confidence in him against righties seems to be lower than it was maybe a year ago or even six months ago. And I will say watching his at-bats and watching him against right-handed pitching, it's like a completely different experience. It's like you're watching someone, a completely different hitter. It's really crazy. Stark difference. So his greatest strength is also his greatest weakness. His greatest strength, destroying left-handed pitching. His greatest weakness, can't really hit righties at all. Maybe because he crushes left-handed pitching, that's why he's in the majors, but doesn't hit righties. I think we're going to see a right-handed bat addition along with Correa. And at that point, if it's somebody who hits lefties well, 
whether it's, you know, McCutcheon, Duvall. Duvall in his career has hit lefties. McCutcheon, I think, was pretty even splits last year. Trey Mancini has hit lefties. They're going to have a lineup. And this is this was their weakness last year. They could not hit left-handed pitching. They struggled. And they were a top five group in weighted runs credit plus against right-handed pitching for a lot of the year. They're going to have a group that has excelled in their careers against left-handed pitching. Go down the list. Correa, Buxton, both have destroyed lefties in their career. Cal Farmer has crushed lefties in his career. Jose Miranda, I think, is going to hit lefties and absolutely destroyed lefties in the minors in 2021. Then you have the bat that they add, whether Garlic's back, Ryan Jeffers has hit lefties extremely well. They're going to have a lineup, hopefully, that is built to hit lefties. And then when you face that righty, guess what? They have eight left-handed bats, either on the Twins, at AAA, at AA. They got a lot of those. So it creates this nice little platoon set. And I think that's the direction we're heading here in the offseason. So don't be surprised by anything. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every single day. You'll make Lockdown MLB Prospects your second listen. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts on. The Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you so much. Have a great day and go Twins.